This is Jason Albert, and you're listening to the Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. And this is our wrap-up from day one in Dresden, Germany, where they've had or are hosting the City Sprints. Today's event was a roughly 1.3K two-lap skate sprint. Okay, on to Devin. Let's uh, jump right in here. So City Sprint in Dresden, post-tortoise-ski to kind of set the context. Um, so what type of field do you usually see in Dresden after, you know, again, like a tour that on, on each end is bookended with events that may not necessarily draw the distance skiers or, you know, the all-rounders? Well, and that's the thing. The reality is, like you said, I mean, the first race after the tour to ski is over even though it is a sprint and you have most, if not all of the top sprinters, there was a few missing this time just because some of the best all round skiers are also the best sprinters, but uh, it's the weakest field of the year, unless you're going to travel to Asia or Russia or <laughs> something like that. So it's a great opportunity for people that are, that are traveling over and really want to squeak into the points. Um, so yeah, that's what you see most of the time. I mean, the fields today where they're not getting any easier than this on the, on the entire world cup. Uh, that said, it's very, very tight in Dresden. Uh, you saw it. I mean, about two, two eleven, two twelve for the men in the qualifier and then two thirty for the women. So it is a fast one. And that means there's not a lot of real estate for people to, to make moves. And also kind of like snow conditions, there seem to be a couple of things at play here. Dirty snow, but, you know, it's a city sprint and it's a low altitude venue. Uh, so dirty snow, it seemed to be icy and kind of tenuous in sections. So what is it normally, what's a venue like that ski like? Oh, you know what? It's... It is what it looks like on TV, honestly. The The snow was very dirty. Yesterday it was 11 degrees in, in Dresden. They put the snow out on Thursday this year because there was a super sprint yesterday, 100-meter sprint. Uh, it's not part of the Fist World Cup, but there there's some show races. There's four events in that competition throughout the world this year, and one of them was in, in Dresden. So they put the snow out a little earlier than normal, and yeah, 11 degrees in that humid, rainy-ish German weather did, did it no favors. It was very dirty today lots of stones and sand in the course and they salt it so that's why it gets that real sheen it's really really hard because it freezes all together but you see in the corners once it starts breaking down it really breaks down and then there's like those sheets of ice that form because it's artificial snow it doesn't react like a natural snow would and artificial snow has a really bad habit of getting really really icy when athletes just blast into the corners and throw the brakes on so it for sure it's challenging conditions and it's challenging for the technicians in the sense that they don't have much time if any to test the skis i remember i was working with the norwegians last year in dresden and i think we had about 15 minutes to test skis uh the day of the men's uh, the, the day of the individual sprint so that that is tight and you're trying to test athlete skis you're trying to test the wax so really it's it's kind of a gamble it's very rare that athletes pick their number one best ski uh when it is so rocky and stuff like that because it just it's not worth the risk. You have one city sprint a year, and if you destroy your best pair of skis, if you're an athlete that has one pair of skis that are way better than all the others, you feel pretty silly if you destroy those on a on a city sprint. So, it, for sure, it poses some problems. There are not problems, but it pose it does pose some challenges, and I think you saw that out there today. There were, you know, in terms of strategy, and you kind of touched upon this uh, at the outset, but you've got two laps of a course that you know, it's kind of a rough, you know, essentially like an oval. And it seemed like the opportunity to actually lose 
anytime or fall, we're in those corners. But it's also to your advantage to apex the corners and get as close to those V boards as possible. So it looks, to, you know, it looked to me like to be a relative gamble. Um, how do you, yeah, how does one sort of tactically race a course like this with those tight corners and dicey corners? And also when it's tough to get back on if you, like in Julia Kern's uh, quarterfinal, you know, she avoids the crash, but it's just not, you know, there's just not enough real estate. And then there are no hills to really kind of bring the field back together. Oh, and it's so fast. Like Julia, when that happened, I'm sorry to say, uh, that was it. That was it. She wasn't getting back on, on the group. And then also to in heat one, you had Swan and Vandergraaf that ended up going all the way to the final. Of course, Vandergraaf was six in the final and Swan won a- amazing, uh, storyline there from Sweden, but, uh, no, Julia had some bad luck there and, and you just, you can never get back on. And if you, if you look through the entire city sprint, I think what is a bit, <laughs> I don't know, like, I know they try to have city sprints to make it more exciting and that sort of thing. And Dusseldorf has been somewhat exciting in the past with so many fans. But today, I felt like it wasn't the most exciting sprint I've ever seen. There was not that many fans. There wasn't a whole lot of action. Yeah, Pellegrino crashed. And now, that, you know, there's Shestad crashed. There's, I mean, there's a few crashes here and there. But in general, if you were top two going out for that last lap, you stayed top two the whole way and you moved through. And like you said, not much real estate in an oval pattern where you're changing direction fairly quickly. And in those straights, those quote unquote straight stretches, they're not perfectly straight. There's, there's, there's small undulations in the course, which makes it really, really hard to get around. If you get out to a bad start, you're, you're done. I mean, you're absolutely done. And to me, I have to admit, if you want to solve a city sprint like Dresden, uh, work on your starts. And then ski big because it just it's so hard for people to get around you. And I think you had some athletes today that did an amazing job with that Dahlqvist, uh, men and women, but um, Shavana. Shavana and Dahlqvist were so good. I mean, to stay out in front, have the lead, and then just ski big around those corners. Like, like try and take up as much space as you can. Both of them are tall athletes. Um, Dahlqvist for the women's side and then, of course, Shavana. But they ski beautifully. They have great technique. They're stable, but they take up a lot of room and no one can get around them, really. I mean, yes, uh, Dahlqvist was third in the final, so she ran out of steam a little bit off that back corner. Uh, but Lampich is having a great season. And Shavana just controlled the race right from the first gun, right from the word go. He won the qualifier. He had the best technique. He was so stable. And he just took the lead early and and kept it in control the whole way around. So that's how you win. That's how you win in a tight race like like Dresden. Okay, just kind of speaking of specifics, and I know that you know, I, I, coming into a venue like this, and it is sprinting, crashes are apt to happen, right? I mean, they do happen. Pellegrino looked, you know, he was obviously peeved at, I, th- I think it was uh, Juve who kind of clipped his ski coming around that corner. In the moment, you know seem pissed yeah for sure he's pissed i mean flat skate sprint that takes 250 like well in the finals is going like 217 i know i quoted it like 211 or 212 but that was in the qualifiers but um of course of course pellegrino's pissed i mean it's a course that suits him really well he had some disappointing sprints uh in the tour de ski and he was looking to get ahead looking to get some points claybo's not around even though you know what claybo's so dominant 
And the second most dominant skier in sprinting is has been Shavana this year. But Pellegrino needed to make up some time in that in that competition for for the Sprint Cup. So he knew how good an opportunity that was. And you saw what Juve did there. Kind of a dirty move. Blasting. Well, no. It's just blasting. Really? Not, not a dirty move. You know what? I take back dirty I mean, move, I don't know. I, I really I, cut the line tight. If you see that again, everyone knows it's ice there. Like I was saying, when you salt the course it's and you have only artificial snow, save snow, when everyone blasts around corners like that, you get this big sheet of ice. And Juve knows that piece of ice is there. But instead of taking the proper line, he tries to like just blast it in the middle and hope for the best, but you don't have metal edges on your skis. And that's what you get. I mean, th- that's what Pellegrino was really pissed about. I mean, as an athlete, I know how that is. I mean, that's probably been me sometimes taking other guys out, but I've also been taken out. And when you have a patch of ice there that everybody knows, it had been there since the qualifier. I mean, take the corner properly. But like you said, not much real estate. Juve takes a risk. It's a risk that 9.8 times out of 10, you're going to lose because you are going to lose your edge there when you're changing direction on a sheet of ice, like you're going down. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, rightly so for Pellegrino to be a little little upset, but I mean, you got to get over it quickly. He, Pellegrino's done some dirty moves in his day too. So, and when I say, when I say dirty moves, I don't mean yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't malicious. He's not doing it on purpose. But he took a huge risk, and Juve has so many podiums and sprints, as is Pellegrino. And when you're that experienced, you're not a you're not a neo pro. You know what I mean? You're not one of these guys that are coming to the World Cup of skied heats once or twice. Sure, these guys are in in finals, a lot of sprint finals, especially in skating. They know how to take those corners in traffic. And Juve was caught out a little bit, took a big risk, didn't pay off, and in doing so, took himself out, and then also Pellegrino. So. Uh, those two guys were were hoping to make the final, and instead they got knocked out early, which is gonna which is gonna annoy anybody. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an issue. Like you think of these high risk, high reward type moves, and these these guys have for sure. That was a really high risk, man. Yeah, but these guys have probably been doing that since they were, you know, oh. 10, 12, 13 years old, right? Oh, and it's oh, always yeah. kind of worked totally. out in their favor. Oh. Not always, not always, but you also have to think too, like Juve knows he's caught out. He, he knows he's not in position and on a, such a tight course when you don't have much room and you're running out of time, you're like, oh my God, if I'm sitting here in four, like I'm done. Yeah. Right. Like this, this doesn't work. Like I need, it's like, you know what? I know it's ice there, but I got to try because it's either try or die. It's a try or die moment. And he fell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question for me is, or just comment is that. You know, thinking about Dresden, it was a little, you know, there there were a couple of, you know, TV shots when they're focused on the stadium or the stands that are right near the start. And you think, okay, it's pretty well attended. But as soon as they get out on course, and it's not a huge course, again, it's a, it's two laps of, I think, a, what, what was that? One point, 650 meters is super short. Yeah, 1.25, 1.3K. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot of fans around. So does there come a point within a city where you've sort of played it, you know, the fans come out for the first iterate, you know, few years that there's a city sprint in Dresden. And then after it's like, Oh yeah, well we went last year or the year before, let's just, uh, you know, go do something else today. Yeah. It's a hard question. I mean, uh, or it's a good question. 
because I agree with you. I mean, you look at Oberhof because you can't even use weather as an excuse because if you're German and you <laughs> stay in Germany in the winter, you don't travel <laughs> to live in Spain or something all winter. Like you're used to just raunchy weather. And it wasn't that raunchy today, but it was definitely not a beautiful day. But I agree. You know, I think what has something, what, what's a really tough thing for Germany right now in cross-country skiing, if you look through the women, I thought, quite frankly, I thought it was a pretty solid sprint for the German women in the sense that four moved through. The problem was all four that moved through got bounced in the quarterfinals and your best qualifier was Rizik in 21st, which, or sorry, sorry, Sophie Krail in, in 20th. So 20th and 21st are your best qualifiers. So y you know what, if you're a cynical fan, you're like, there's no way. And of course there is no way they all got bounced in the, in the quarterfinals. And then from the men's side of things like, oof, it's it's just it's just like this is not it, it's just not good it, it's it's not a good situation right now in, in Germany and I, German are kind Germans are kind of fair weather fans to be honest if you look at the biggest days in Dusseldorf also they would have it in October trying to back in those days Fist was really trying to do it like the Solden of cross country skiing three weeks before the actual World Cup gets going but you had guys there you had. Um, you had some sprinters from Germany. You had Wenzel, Josef Wenzel, that was really strong, winning in Dusseldorf before. And some other names that you might not remember, but uh, a guy called Dirk Klassen, he was actually pretty strong. He had some top, he made some finals in the men's side. And then you had Claudia Kunzel or Claudia Nistad now. And you had a lot of pretty strong names. And I think that really drew the crowds in Dusseldorf. And now in Dresden, really weak men's side in sprinting, like non-existent. And then from the women's side, really, I quite, quite frankly, I think it's great that they put four women in the quarterfinals, but none had a chance to move through. None did move through. And I think oof, for Fairweather fans, if I can say that, it's just that's not going to draw the that's not going to draw the people. And it's, it's too bad to see because I look at Oberhof and I mean, Oberhof is, oh, my God, it was my absolute best venue to race at. But, oh, God, there's no there's there's and just so folks know. Like Oberhof has, yeah, sorry, there's a bathlon competition that goes on right now. People that don't follow bathlon closely, two giant races for bathlon. Well, next week in Rupelding for bathlon is the absolute, it's the home and colon of bathlon. It's crazy. It's pandemonium. But Oberhof also has a, a history of just being packed with fans. And let me tell you this, there was a lot of cross-country ski races there before in the Tour de Ski and it is the worst weather in on planet Earth around this time of year. It's always foggy. It's nasty. Snow conditions are garbage. Yet for Bathlon, they bring out the fans. But again, they also have athletes in Bathlon. German has a very Germany has a very strong Bathlon squad for men and women. And for cross country skiing and sprinting right now, it just doesn't have that strength. So I'm, I'm curious if that plays into it a little bit. You know, I think I've been reading some, looking in a little bit about like TV markets and how, you know, organizing committees then sell the TV rights. And yeah, I think the market in, in Germany has waned considerably in the... Oh, it's fallen out. It, it, you know, the market in Germany has fallen to the floor. But of course, because they have... Although there was... Bogle had some top 10s or a top 10 in the tour. That's that there is some hope. And then you've had some guys have hit the top 10 once or twice in a two, three-year span. Um, like uh, Florian Knotts comes to mind. But... That's not enough. That's not enough to keep a market that is so saturated with winter sport. I mean, Germany loves biathlon. It's their number one winter sport, and they do so well at it. And then you have all the sliding sports, which 
for fans, for, for cross-country ski fans like us, we think is like the most boring thing you could ever see. But Germany packs the top of those events as well. And then Alpine, it's, it's, it's a crowded market and Germany really is nowhere. I mean, just think of this, okay? It's the weakest sprint of the year. It's the easiest place of the year to score points is Dresden. This year, it is. And yet, and yet, you don't put a single German in the top 30 for the men. Like, that's a crisis. They have a crisis on their hands. You know, you, you, see, you, see, you see teams that you're not used to seeing that many of them in, in finals, especially for the men. You know, you have Slovenian men, Italians. Of course, the big teams, France has been great, but China makes the yeah, heats. Yeah, China makes the heats. Um, yep. You have Finland making the heats with, like, the C team. I mean, Verani Suhanen, who's that? Who knows? But he wouldn't qualify in any other sprint, but in Dresden he does in 22nd to make it through. You have a couple Americans make it through, which is great to see. Uh, three of them, actually. And and Czechs, Czech guys, you've never heard their names before. And yet, at the end of the day, Germany can't put a guy in their home race in the top 30. That's why there's no fans, and that's why their TV ratings are going bad. They, they're just in a bit of a hole here, especially on the men's side. The women's side have some future, but for the men, it is grim, dude. It's super grim, and that's that's going to be tough. Okay, one last thing, just to give him a little bit of a shout out, James Clinton Schoonmaker. Uh, yeah, uh, Jay's, they, you know, folks here call him JC, but I have to be honest. The other, you know, I was watching or covering a little bit of senior nationals from from Houghton, Michigan, remotely, and I was like. JC Clinton or, you know, JC Schoonmaker, who's this guy? You know, I just tend not to, for good reason, not to focus on the junior athletes. Uh, no one needs to give them more stress than they probably already feel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 19 years old, uh, first World Cup start, comes in, qualifies in 24th. So, yes, not a strong field relatively, but still grown men. Uh, and you know it's a World Cup, so anyway, hats off to that guy. Oh yeah, and and also and also for Schoonmaker coming into the World Cup into a city sprint. So first of all, you have no experience, and then you don't get to go to a World Cup that you get to warm up on skis and do your normal routine. You're coming to a big city. There's no snow. You're either roller skiing or running, and the course the, the conditions you're not used to that being american you never see conditions like that ever you've never seen conditions like that in your life you've just raced senior nationals you did a great job at u.s nationals to make it there which was awesome so i mean i couldn't agree more qualify in 24th and have a real go in his heat that is awesome and it's really good to see the american men put three guys in the heats I want to see the American men take a step yeah, up. You know I what agree. I mean? I, they have some great athletes. Like Bolger is incredibly good. He's got a Shavana type body and technique. He's strong. He's big. Logan Hanneman has that kind of snap, that power. He's a bigger guy too. Shoemaker, well, that's a great story like you just mentioned. Eric Bjornsson's had some great races um, uh, in his career. But at the same time, I love you, Eric, but I mean, you. I expect you to be a little better than this, uh, especially in classic races because he's a great classic skier and, and to have a, a couple times in the top 10, I mean, Eric's better than that. I really believe that and I'd like to see him do that. And then Simi, when he's on and healthy is, I mean, a course like this, it doesn't get, it's a, it doesn't get any better for him in a course like this, but, you know, struggling a little bit with injuries and illnesses is really kept him out of the game a lot and with Simi that's just kind of what you get I mean it's he's 
he hasn't been able to solve that problem or I don't want to call it a problem because it's not, but like he hasn't been able to solve that like week in week out stability in sprinting that he should be. He's good enough, but he's had some bad luck and, and that's tough to, that that's tough to manage. So I, I really tip my hat to him because mentally that that's, that's tough to have like these minor setbacks and you're so far away from home. That's what people just don't understand. I mean, like Simi packs his bag. It's like, he can't just go home to the mountains in, in Aspen and just refocus and do a day of ski touring, hang out with some buddies, have a beer with a friend and then come back recharged. He can't do that. You know, when you're going through some injury problems or if you're just having a bit of sickness, like you're sitting there, you're rotting in these hotel rooms and just going from hotel to hotel to hotel. And it's, it sounds glamorous, but when you're Simi and you've been doing it for so long, it is not glamorous. I promise you that. Okay. We'll touch base uh, after the team sprint. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll touch base after the team sprint, but I do have to say those that like to follow along, if you're hoping to have like a really exciting major high energy team sprint recap, like it's not going to be that exciting because you know how these team sprints go. And on a course like this, you know what the story is. Keep black side down, although everyone's using white bases now because the snow is so dirty, but keep the bases of your skis down and have good positioning to stay in the top two, three, and you'll be on the podium. And that's just not that exciting. So I'm really, Jason, I'm sorry, but I'm just really not looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Okay, thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for listening to today's show. 